by which mankind can be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. Just want to welcome everybody again and people that are slotting in for the first time in our web church. Thank you so much for slotting in, and it's an honor to serve you with the good news of Jesus. In our web fellowship, all that we minister about is the love and the grace of God with a focus only on the goodness of God because there's only one side to God, and that is a good side. Some people say that a coin has got two sides, you know, a, a good side and a bad side, but God doesn't have two sides. He's only got one side. Uh, uh, or let me put it this way, all the sides of God is good. It doesn't matter how you look at him, you'll just find his goodness. He's a savior. He is one that loves. He's one that has compassion. He treats people with kindness. Uh, he sees their value. He's there to redeem and save them. You know, so many times we think that we have to let go of our sins in order for God to love us. But that is not what the gospel teaches. Uh, the love of God is towards sinners. The love of God is towards people that has not done everything right. And then the message is that he will give you a, good, a, a new life. It's not about you trying to get a new life to impress him is he impresses you with his life that's what this is all about and that's what we gather around so welcome to everybody that is slotting in for the first time now today's message i'm going to teach about the hope the christian hope uh, you know if you look at 2020 and we look at what we've been through and we look at the years to come there is a christian hope something that we can expect something that we can uh hope for and i want to talk about that now i just want to warn you today's message is going to be a little bit technical it's going to be some line upon line teaching and i think this will be good for you to listen to through the rest of this year so we're not going to make other sunday messages i think i might rebroadcast some of my old messages if i'm here or i will just put this one up again because this will really challenge your thinking about how salvation works. So um, let us read. I'm going to read from Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 3. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and the love that springs forth from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing amongst you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace. So in other words, what he's saying here is, the moment you truly understand the grace of God, the, the moment you truly understand the message of his love for you, the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, from the moment that that message was understood, the church in Colossae was bearing fruit. The fruit that they were bearing is that they had a certain faithfulness or persuasion or trust in God, as well as love for all God's people. Now, I want to explain what that means. 
That means that they continued to believe in Jesus and that they didn't distinguish between Jew and Gentile. And they basically said that Jews and Gentiles can both be saved by Jesus. And they did not reject or push away the Jews. This was something phenomenal in that time because we need to understand that the Jews of that day was very um, race orientated. They were racistic. They were, uh, be- they were a belief that said that our God is the only true God, and He is not just a God that will that is our God, but only us, we as the Jews, shall be saved from oppression, and then we will be the leaders or the head of all people groups, and all people groups would submit to us and be our slaves because we would have all the wisdom and all the knowledge and we would be the best. Now imagine you say that in South Africa as a white people. Say, you know, God is the God of the whites and in order for you to have the true, only true God is for you to be white. You must be white. (laughs) You're going to find yourself in jail, man. (laughs) And no mercy. Uh, You're going to be in deep trouble. That's absolute racism. Now, that was the kind of a thing that a lot of the Jews of that time believed. And now we find that Paul writes the letter and he says to the people, in the Colossians, he said to them, and these people were Gentiles that came to the faith. He said, I heard that you were now believing in Jesus Christ, and I find that you love all God's people. And the understanding that Paul had there is that these people even love the Jewish Christians. They're not against them. They love them. And then he came to the conclusion, he said, the reason why you have this faithfulness and this love is because of the hope that you have heard about that's laid up for you in heaven. Now, very interesting is not saying to them that you are loving all people because you've got the hope to go to heaven. There's a big difference. It is, you know, there's a hope laid up for you in heaven. That would be like Paul, um, like saying that I drive while hungry. I drive with a smile on my face on my way home because I know of the hope that is laid up for me in the microwave oven. It doesn't mean that I am going to sit in the microwave oven. It doesn't mean I'm on my way to make my abode in the microwave oven. No, in the microwave, there is a hope for me. There's a meal that has been prepared for me that will be taken from the microwave oven and be put on a table where I will enjoy what was kept for me in the oven, and I will enjoy it in this world, not in the microwave oven. In the very same way, the people of that time understood that there was a certain hope for Christians, and this hope was now in heaven, laid up in heaven, which was the physical resurrected Jesus, who has a perfect human body, who cannot be tempted in any form or fashion, that will return or manifest in this world and then serve us with the fullness of who he is bodily. 
And so we shall experience salvation from mortality and live forever. Paul comes and he says, you church in Colossae, you love all people because you've realized that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he will then basically raise all people that has believed upon him, be they Jew or Gentile, and give them a glorified body. And therefore, there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. That is the context of understanding. If you now study a lot of the New Testament and understand Paul, you will know that is what is in his mind as he writes this. And what he's basically saying is, is that this good works that you are showing to all people is a result of Jesus and his power. It is not a result of their uh, good works or the, their holiness or their decision to try and love Jews. It was the conclusion they had to come to and to what the understanding of the new body resulted into. You know, we need to understand that a lot of the salvation that takes place, or I would say the greatest part of salvation for Christians is seated in the physical. We've made, we've tried to get a metaphysical salvation where we need to understand, yes, it is metaphysical. There's something greater than the physics of this world, but the fact that God is greater than the physics of this world does not mean that that which is greater cannot manifest in us here and that he will bring salvation to us. If you look at somebody that is mortal, if you look at somebody that is a normal human being with normal lack of understanding and all those kind of things, there's certain things that you cannot um, expect from that person. And there are certain things that you can expect from that person. Um, if we as normal mortal humans have a lack of understanding or even the neuron paths in our brain doesn't run the perfectly, there's certain things that's going to happen in to us. There's certain ways wherein we're going to think. And in order for us to think differently and act differently would not be up to us. It would be up to somebody that can recreate our brain, that can recreate our bodies, that can make us completely new. Now, in history, I have not found anybody that can recreate the human body. In other words, take a physical body and recreate that body to be a body that can think perfectly, reason perfectly, and live forever. In history, I didn't find anybody but God doing it in Jesus. And that which we find who Jesus is today as the resurrected Jesus, that is the hope of the Christian. That is our hope. You know, last week I spoke about my friend Donnie von Weyck and his daughter that went for this uh, where they put these um, probes, I want to call it, I don't know what to call it, in her brain because she struggles with epilepsy and she had 160 wires inside her brain to determine where the epilepsy starts. And then they determined that it starts in the area of her brain where her speech lies. And the way they do that is with all these wires in her brain, they put electric current on the wire and then they would say to her, okay, uh, 
say something, you know, and then say, read something aloud. And then as she reads, they would put some vault on that wire and all of a sudden she would not be able to speak. And she would not understand the words that's on the page because of an electric current in the brain. Now, when I saw that, I just realized so much more why Jesus had to be bodily raised from the dead and how a person have to have authority over physicality to recreate the human to a perfect human wherein the fullness of God dwells, wherein we can then have full holiness manifesting in us because of God. You know, that lady that gets the, uh, the, the epilepsy, to teach her not to have that would be very difficult. Uh, she will find that relapse. She will find that thing happening to her because it is part of her physical makeup. And it seems to me that even sin is part of our physical makeup. And that is why the Bible says if Jesus was not raised from the dead bodily, we would still be dead in our sins. Because the power that raised Christ from the dead, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, as we believe upon Jesus, is put on our bodies and the we start to experience the first signs of the recreation of the human body by the resurrection power of God. And that is why we as Christians start to see a holy life manifest in us. But we find if we read the scripture, even if just in Colossians, if you read Peter, we find that as people believed in Jesus, great changes took place. But then he, later on, he reminds them and say to them, Keep focusing on this good news and also know that there's greater changes that can take place in your life because of this power of the resurrection that comes your way. Now, that is a lot said and what I've just preached to you as pertaining to the power of the resurrection and how God then brings forth fruit in our lives. The way I've preached it now is not commonly found in the church. I think some people might mean it or some people might say it is God bringing forth fruit in you. But the dynamics on how it works is a rare message. Although it is not something that we think up today, it is something that we read in the Bible that Paul mentioned here in Colossians. I would like to look at two scriptures just proving uh, that to, or just one. I'm going to look at one. Ephesians 1.19. talking about this power of the resurrection, which works in us now, bringing forth fruit. This is now um, Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as his mighty strength, that which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So what he says here is that I want you to know the hope of, 
I want your mind to know this hope. And in knowing this hope, I want you to know that the power that gives or that will bring forth this resurrection, that that power starts to work in you right now. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that took his mortal body and made of it an immortal body in which the fullness of God dwells bodily. I want you to know that power. And that is the power that works in us who believe. What is the power that works in us who believe? The power that can recreate the human being into a human wherein the fullness of God dwells. We find this working in stages. The first stage of this is God starting to bring forth fruit in us, which is mentioned in Colossians as love for all people. It was like it would be equivalent to people that were oppressed in South Africa under the apartheid system and then seriously oppressed and being belittled and all those kind of things. And the moment they become Christians, you start to hear of their love towards those that has oppressed them. That would mean that the power of the resurrection has worked in their physical bodies to the point that it is changing their minds, that they, the brain thinks differently for it is experiencing the first part of recreation or new creation. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I want to tell you, as I preach this, I realize that this kind of thinking we always thought it is us in our spirits that must try and suppress our bodies in some way and we by willpower must try and live holy. But that is not what's taking place. It's God brings a recreation. God brings a new mindset. That is what this is all about. That is how God works. He brings forth a new body. You know, you, <laughs> the only place where we can walk as guilty is where we hear this truth and we don't want it. That is the only place. But as we see shortcomings in our life, we just yield to the good news. We say, God, I stand under your power. I stand, it's, it's for you to bring it forth. It's called the fruit of the spirit. It means basically that the holy life that people live is a result of God's working on you. It is not you looking at Ten Commandments and then doing it, or it is not for preachers to go and preach laws, bringing people into guilt and condemnation all the time. That's not how it works. It is for preachers to preach the true gospel, and it is for believers, including the preachers, to believe upon that truth. And to remind people of the goodness of God. Okay, I want to go to um, this hope that is laid up for us in heaven. Now I want to go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I think, I let me just read Colossians again. I'm sorry that I... Um, this might be a bit much, but let me just read it again because we need to get the, get the point. It says that the love that they had was because of the hope that was laid up for them in heaven. I'm going to explain what this hope is. 
Let's read verse 5 again. The faith and love that springs from you is from the hope stored up for you in heaven of which you heard in the true message of the gospel. Okay, so he says, you heard of a hope that's laid up for you in heaven, which is this resurrected Jesus, which will return, which will glorify our bodies. He says, and this is the true message of the gospel. This is the true message of the gospel. Let me read it to you again. It says, the faith and the love that springs forth from the hope which stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the message of the gospel that has come to you. What is the message of the gospel? It's the message that Jesus was raised from the dead and promises eternal life to you. That is the message of the hope of the gospel. It is called the true gospel. It's called the true message of the true gospel, according to Colossians. So there is the truth of the true gospel. I don't have to have a list of sins that I need to mention and say, I'm preaching the gospel. That's not gospel. It's like if somebody's got cancer and is in the hospital, if somebody's body is full of pain, you know, I remember when I had this uh, frozen shoulder, it was so painful. I mean, I'd, gospel to me was not, you've got a frozen shoulder. That's not gospel. Gospel to me would be how we can cure it. Free from my own work because I was already so tired out. I was uh, starting to suffer with a, some form of a depression because I only have pain all day, all night. Can't sleep. So I need a doctor that can help me. The good news to somebody that's drowning in the ocean is not swimming lessons, but that there is a lifesaver that can save you free from your effort. Okay, so we see here that it talks about the true gospel. If this gospel has come to you, in the same way, this gospel is bearing fruit and is growing throughout the whole world, just as been doing amongst you since the day you heard and truly understood the grace of God. So when you understand the grace of God, you'll start to bear fruit. The grace of God is mentioned in First uh, Peter one thirteen. Is it First Peter? I don't want to make a mistake. I think it's First Peter one thirteen. Talks about the grace that shall be revealed to you at the last day, which is what it's the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, First Thessalonians five six. Let me uh, move on. First Thessalonians five six. And um, let us read. This might sound like a difficult to understand scripture, but just bear with me. It says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that we, whether we awake or sleep, it means whether we be alive at his return or if we have already died, um, we might live together with him. In other words, Jesus died and he rose again so that those who are alive at his coming, as well as those who died before he came, 
that all of us might live together with him. Therefore, encourage one, one another with these words and build each other up, just at it, as in fact you are doing. So what he is saying, put on the hope of salvation, which is the resurrection from the dead. So the Christian hope for the early church was that we will be bodily raised from the dead. That was the Christian hope for the early church. This hope produced something supernatural in them, and that was that they started to love all people. The message was not preached, you better love all people so that you can go to heaven. The message was the other way around. It was something like this. In heaven is a man, Jesus Christ, and as you have the hope that he will make or bring his fullness to you, he will bring forth love in you today by the power that raised him from the dead. <laughs> so the message is not about how we can go to heaven if we live right. The message is about how God brings heaven to those who rest and trust in his love for them. And that hope is the resurrection. So let me explain it this way. There's a phenomenon that takes place in people's hearts when they believe that they're aliens or that they are aliens. I now see somebody has put up and said that the head of Israel's space research person said that um, the aliens are now asking permission that we should not reveal that they exist because people aren't ready for their revealing yet. Now, there are certain people that believe those things. There are certain people that believe that the earth is flat. If you believe that the earth is flat, it will have some effect on you. If you believe that there are aliens out there, you will believe it will have a certain effect on you. If you believe the earth is round, it will have a certain effect on you. If you believe that there is not aliens, it will have a certain effect on you. In the very same way, if you believe that there was somebody bodily raised from the dead and that he wants to preserve you, your physical body, and that he will raise you up bodily and that by the power that recreated him, you under that power, it will have a certain effect on you. That effect is documented in the scriptures as love. And there's no other way wherein you can truly have that love. It's only that way. And sadly, this whole way wherein we have access unto love has been kept a, a bit away from the church because we don't want to preach the resurrection. We think, you know, when we've died and our bodies have been cremated or buried or whatever, God has done with that and now we're going to float somewhere. No, that is not the gospel. That, is, that was not called the gospel. So many times you say, oh, you know, this body means nothing. This body does not mean nothing. If you say this body means nothing, if your daughter gets molested by an uncle or somebody, you're not going to say, oh, they didn't touch her. You know, they just touched the body. The body means nothing. You're going to say, no, they're ruining her life. That's what you're going to say. Why? Because in, in our very being, we know that our bodies make just as much up of our life as what any other thing makes up of, of our life, as the breath that we have. It is part of us, and that is the life that God has come to give to us. Amen. Okay. Now, with that said, he says here, let me build this message. First, he says, 
This hope brings forth fruit since you heard the truth of the gospel, which is this hope, which is also called the grace of God. He says here, encourage one another with this message of the resurrection, of the hope of bodily fullness, wherein we will have bodily the fullness of what Jesus possesses today. Now we're getting to this old rapture scripture, and I'm going to read it to you. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18. Excuse me. Um, yes, 4.18. I'm just reading at 5.18. Now, <clears throat> just for those of you that are not informed about this, let me just tell you what is what a lot of people believe. It is believed by a, a, a big amount of, a great amount of people in the church that there will be a rapture. What this means is that Jesus will return and then only the Christians are going to be caught up into the clouds. Um, and then the non-Christians will be left up, will be left on the earth. And then there'll be complete chaos here and and, and then later on Jesus will return and we're going to then live in heaven for a while. So that teaching is then what many people live by today and they're waiting for the rapture. And that would be God taking people out of this world. Jesus is going to appear and when Jesus appears, Christians are literally going to fly into the air. The grave is going to be opened up. Christians are going to fly into the air and that is how people are now going to then be with Jesus. And this is a big teaching in Pentecostal and charismatic churches. Now, I want to just look at that scripture and explain to you that there is not such a thing. There is not such a thing. Um, and that that scripture actually simply refers to the Christian hope, which would be the resurrection of the dead. That's all. Okay, right. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who have slept in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Remember, we're talking about hope here. It says, I want you not to cry like people who've got no hope. What is the hope? The hope is not going to heaven. The hope is the bodily resurrection here. Listen to this. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Okay, now listen to this. Let's read the verse again. The way it has been taught is that people die, they go to heaven. When Jesus comes back, then he brings them with him. But let's read if that's written there. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So these people died says, I don't want you to be ignorant about people that died. Listen, Jesus died and rose again. So he left life and then he came back into life through the resurrection. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That means how did Jesus come into life? How will Jesus bring people into what he is with him? It's just by raising them from the dead. That's all. That's all that it's said there. He will bring them also into life the very same way he got into life. So with him, the with him simply means 
as he was raised, they will also be raised from the dead. That's all it means. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There he explains it. Is everything okay, Lena? Okay, I thought you said something. No, okay. So maybe she's just amening here away. Isn't that what you would do? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so what I'm saying is when Jesus brings those with him, when he returns, all it means is that they will be brought with him into life by the resurrection. Some people might say, I disagree. But the next verse explains that verse. It says here, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first bodily. And after that, we who still are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Okay, now. Where is the clouds according to the scripture? The clouds according to the scripture is the glorious resurrection. So Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, he was standing in the glory of his father, in the cloud of witnesses, which is called uh, those that uh, testify to the resurrection of, of Jesus. So Jesus is in the glory of resurrection. These people he will bring with him into this glory, which is what? Which is the bodily resurrection. And then we will meet them in the air or what they are caught up in. And we will be caught up in the very same, which simply means our bodies will be co-glorified with theirs without us dying. That's all it means. Okay, so again, for those who watch for the first time, sorry for this very... Um, uh, 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 in-depth teaching about what will be in the end but i think this is needed for the church because we've got so much weird teachings all that this is saying the hope of the christian is this that jesus will be manifested in the glory the glorious cloud the, the cloud it talks about the full presence of god that cloud was in the temple on earth when god was manifesting himself in the most holy place that cloud would be the cloud wherein jesus manifests himself bodily on the earth in his return those who has died will be brought with him into that cloud when he bodily raises them from the dead or if they've been cremated or whatever god will restore those bodies then we will see that we who are alive on the earth will still be in our mortal bodies, but we will see how they become immortal and how these people are raised up. And then in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says we who are alive and remain, who are still living on the earth, we will be changed. And so we will be with God forever in that condition on this earth. That is what that scripture teaches. Now, you might say, Bertie, why is that of any importance for us? It's of great importance for us because Colossians says that those who believed this had a certain fruit in their lives. That is why this 
is important. I want to quickly go to First Thessalonians, uh, oh, sorry, First Corinthians 15, and we're going to end off with that. First Corinthians 15. You're going to have to go and listen to this again if you are uh, pro the, the, the rapture. You're going to have to go and listen to this again and sit with the verses, and you will see that that rapture is not there. The rapture is simply to be caught up into the condition of living forever. That is all it means. Okay, um, living forever bodily, that's what it means. Right, the 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. That would be when Jesus reveals himself. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable, meaning those that has died, must be must clothe itself with the imperishable, meaning the dead must be raised. And the mortal, which are us who are alive and remain, must be made immortal. And when this has happened, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then this, the saying shall be true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Can you see how the early church had a very, or I would say a massive concept of bodily resurrection, physical resurrection, a changing of the physical body into something real and tangible as that of Jesus and the return of Jesus, and that this Jesus is the ruler under whose jurisdiction we stand on the earth, and this took fear away from them? I mean, these people weren't afraid to die because they know we'll just be raised. Like I said, you know, when my mom passed away and I looked at her, in her, in the coffin. Um, that couldn't satisfy my heart by just, it couldn't satisfy my heart by just saying, oh well, you know, she's in heaven. No. Because when I looked at her body, I remember my sis uh, 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 was there with me, Lizette, and, you know, my mom had marks where they tried to um resuscitate is that the right word resuscitate her and she was blue and everything and so and i could see my sis was crying and she said they've hurt you and we looked at her body and we said there's some injustice here although we could know or we could think well she's in a better place but that is not the that that, that is not peace what brought true peace what brings me peace in that day was justice shall be served and there will be a resurrection. That's justice. That's God's justice. It was defined in the resurrection of Jesus. And that gives me hope. That brings respect for the human body. By that, I respect somebody's body because that has been made to be eternal. That, that can set you free from a lot of things in this world. Um, you know, a lot of hatred towards people, fighting, beating up people, molesting of children, those kind of things. Because if we people believe that, it will change them as what 
people will have a different life if they believe in angels or not in, uh, I mean angels, uh, 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 aliens or not in aliens or in a flat earth or a round earth, all those kind of things. It changes your life. In the very same way, if when we believe in the resurrection and in the value of the human, the complete human and the full restoration, it brings forth a fruit in us. I believe, I personally believe that the spirit brings forth a way of thinking in our brains that could be measured now. We think differently. Things change. We think different about people, and that is called the fruit of God in our lives. And that which is brought forth in us is eternal. Hallelujah. So here it says, and I, I, I end off with this. Um, I'm reading. We can also read from verse 52 up to the end. Let's read from verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, in the f that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Perishable, it talks about those who has died. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we shall be changed in a flesh in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, at the return of Jesus. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable or the dead must first be raised, and the mortal, which is us, must first put on immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, meaning when the dead has been raised and us, have, we that are alive, has now changed into a different form of physical body, then the saying shall be true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. So I want to say to you, you as a Christian, when you think of when will the end of the world be, what will take place? Some people say Jesus has already come. So many things are confusing. All I want to say to you, I've got this beautiful message to you, that this world was not created for nothing. God made it and he's got a purpose with this world. The purpose he has with this physical planet is so that he can have this planet to be an eternal planet that can never perish, never fade away, and to have people on this planet that can never perish, never fade away, that will have glorified bodies that is that looks like the fullness of God bodily, that shines as bright as the sun, which can have all, all that's got all ability to experience the fullness of the love of God and the kindness of God and all ability to express it, wherein these people share in the love of God and love on one another in this world forevermore. Hallelujah. That blesses me so much because I know any good thing I do on this earth is part of what is eternal, not just to waste away in God burning up the earth and taking us to another place, making everything meaningless. You are deeply loved by God. You are deeply loved by God. And I promise you, you will be raptured, if you want to call that word rapture, or caught up into an immortal glorified body. The way it's going to take place is the dead will be raised. Jesus will return. The dead will be raised and we will be changed. Many people ask me about you, how will we see Jesus when he comes back? Because the Bible says all will see him. I do believe all will see him in this way. Because, I mean, if the earth is round and Jesus returns, how can all see him? This is how all will see him. 
when he returns, we shall be changed and the fullness of God will manifest. As Elena sits there and she operates this computer as we're doing this broadcast, as she sits there in the twinkling of an eye, she will shine with the fullness of the glory of God to the, to the point that the fullness of God in her bodily would be equal to the fullness of God himself. Then I will see Jesus in her and she will see Jesus in me and all will see God. I'm not saying I become God, but I will be so full and you will be so full of God that to see you would be to see Jesus. That's what Jesus said, that if they've seen me, if you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. In the very same way it will be in that day, that when we see each other, we would see the Father. And that is what God has come to do for us. I end off with this. Who by trying to fulfill the Ten Commandments can reach that? Jy kan nie dier koekies te bak vir jou biervrou en, en, en so die conditie bereik nie. Man. You cannot, by your own good works, you can never attain unto that condition. It can only be done by God. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much that I could serve you with this message. I would like to pray for you and we're going to end off with prayer. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for all people that are watching. There are people, Lord, that when they look at themselves, they feel... I've got mistakes, I've got faults, I'm going through difficult times, I don't know what to do. But Lord, thank you that they can know that the solution is in the resurrection and in the spirit that's poured out on their flesh, on their mind, on their brain, in their hearts. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you that your spirit that works in us as we are mindful of what you have done works in us, signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you, Lord, that as people are watching, some people might sit and watch this and have COVID. Some people can watch this now and have any have cancer or some form of sickness or disease. I thank you, Lord, that you, through signs that you can recreate the human body, come and bring healing to those people just as a sign that you can do this. Thank you that signs, wonders, and miracles take place as you stretch forth your hand to heal people today. I thank you, Lord, that these people, all of, all of the people in our fellowship, will have a wonderful festive season, that they will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas Day, and that they will say thank you that you came and you brought forth a human body into this earth so that this body could be glorified, so that we can have the hope of salvation, and so we can experience the fruit of the Spirit today. Thank you, Lord, that I can love everybody that is in this church, that I can love people around me and that they can love one another and love me. Thank you for the love we can have as a congregation for each other. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.